Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Hey, would y'all give the Lord a shout of praise real quick? Come on, as we jump in. We all look good today. I got up this morning, I was driving here and this, the roads and the snow and you know, Americanized Christianity, I'm like, will anybody be there? And so we were talking in the back, and he's like, this might be one of those low days. And then I looked around the room during worship, and y'all are amazing. So give yourselves a hand for coming. Because, you know, in the South, so I was born here in Columbus, but in the South, uh, this would shut down everything for like four days. People would be like raiding the, the canned goods aisles and buying water. And be like, this is it. It's the end of the world. But uh for us Ohioans, this is no big deal. So just a little white devil, you know, amen, come on. But listen, today's Super Sunday. I know Pastor Kyle already said that. Um, I'm so glad that unanimously we're agreeing on the Eagles because uh, we have a longtime friend, and she's married to one of the offensive line coaches. So we are actually rooting for the Eagles as well. So my wife's like, awesome, is there free wings? So we will have wings tonight. How many of y'all are going to be eating wings? Nobody at all. How is that possible? Wave at me if you're going to have wings today. Okay, a handful. How many did you say? One, 1.3 billion wings are going to be consumed just today. Let's all take a moment of silence for all the chickens. <laughs> like, all the genetically modified chickens. My God. All right, let's move on. Listen, I'm super pumped to be back in the house. I love Adventure Church. I'm really excited about what God has been doing here. I was here with you guys uh, in the fall. I couldn't remember when it was. We travel a lot. I was out 216 days just last year, and we go into different churches and minister and consult and help and church planners ourselves. We actually were a part of planting a church here in Columbus. I love Columbus. I was born here. Uh, if you're from here, wave at me. Come on. If you're from here. So OH. All right. Well done. Uh, and so I do have to minister sometimes to the church up north or the, the state up north every once in a while. And man, I give it to them. It's hilarious. I, I talk about rabid ferrets and then worshiping wolverines and it gets really odd. Typically, I don't get invited back. I don't know why. Anyways. So uh, my wife sends her love. She wasn't able to make it this weekend. Uh, we, we just traveled back yesterday. Uh, and uh, just just do a couple of disclaimers. I'm a, I'm a crowd participation minister, so I actually like when you say, man, that's good. Uh, is that a woman's jacket? That's fine, too. You can yell that back. Are those yoga pants? They're skinny jeans. Just, but I do need some crowd participation. I know it's early, but y'all chose the service, so I need some response. Uh, funny story. So my daughter is seven, and she came up to me, and she's like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, which part? And she's like, why are you wearing mommy's jacket? Like, she's seven. I was like, this is a boy's jacket. She's like, prove it. And I was like, how? And she's like, show me tags. I had to go all the way back to the receipt to show her. Okay, moving on. So I love your pastors. I want to do one thing. My pastor says if honor is in you, it comes out of you. You can't fake honor. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of pastors who are doing church for the business of church. They're doing church because it's an easy way to actually strike that. It's not easy at all. Let's just be honest. Uh, but there's, it's a way of maybe just kind of fulfilling their gifting. And I meet so many pastors who don't, they, they hardly like church, let alone like people. And I just want to give a massive hand for pastors Kyle and Jess Hammond for fighting the good fight, for saying yes to the call of God on their lives, for starting Adventure Church. And Man, staying in your lane, doing what God has told you to do, and that new kid's wing looks amazing. How many of y'all are grateful for the kid's wing? And thank you for sewing into that and being a part of that. We were a part of walking through the journey of that. And 
seeing how all that was coming together, just being one of the overseers on the, on the, in the church. And it's amazing. I walked in today and I told Pastor Carl, I said, man, it doesn't feel like this was ever added on. It feels like this is just part of it. And the thing about this church, and I believe this with all my heart, this is the smallest it'll ever be. So don't get comfortable in the seat you sit in. Don't sharpie your name underneath, like, this is my seat. Don't do that. Like, because next week, somebody might be sitting there that's never tried church before. Somebody might come back, a prodigal sort of moment. My dad, some of y'all know my story from the last time I preached. Some of you have no clue who I am. And if I bother you at all, you can email me at kurtcameron.tv. And I'll, I'll email you back immediately. Uh, some of y'all are like, I don't get it. Google it. It's not, it's not me. Okay, so, but I really believe with all my heart that the heartbeat of heaven is the local church. And I believe what God is doing at Adventure Church is not just a name adventure, but I really believe it's making an impact up here in the Midwest. And I believe that this is just the beginning. Look at the person next to you and say, this is just the beginning. Come on. So this morning, I want to jump into a sermon, a message that I believe is going to help us. For those of you who are excited about football, for those of you who have no concern or clue or even like you could care less about football, uh, I do want to tie in today's message with the game of football because I think it's really important to recognize who we are as the church and some specific plays, three specific plays that I believe God wants us to run as a church. And the sermon title, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to, there's a study done by Harvard, uh, Harvard Community College, so it wasn't as good as the real Harvard, but Harvard did a study that said if you're a hearer only, you only retain 5% of what you hear. And if you take down notes, so an eye device, if you haven't fully, you know, stepped up to the next level and you have a droid, I don't know, um, you can take, I'm sure it takes your, you can type on that too, I guess. Uh, you can write on a piece of paper, you can borrow an eyeliner, like elbow the person next to you, but take down notes because it says that it goes up to 35% retention rate if you take down notes. If you take down notes and reread them or go back and listen to the podcast, the retention rate goes up as high as 90 to 95%. So I want to encourage you, the sermon title today is called The Huddle. So write that down if you're taking down notes or just awkwardly stare at me. That's fine as well. But you can write it down if you can. And uh, again, this is Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, there's something about every game that if you watch, and I'm going to tie this in for people that could care less about sports, but in football. So today, if we watch the Super Bowl or, or you've ever been to a Buckeye game or, you know, we're a very, very progressive sports, football-based city, and if you've ever gone, you notice that they gather before every play, and that's called the huddle, and you know, there's no top 10 ESPN, top 10 huddle plays, like, look at this fantastic huddle, look how they gathered, and one guy had his arm swinging, like, there's no amazing huddle moments, but the huddle is significant, because this is a place where they gather, and they begin to talk about, these are the plays we're running. This is the mission. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is that we're all getting on the same page. We're all getting aligned. We're all coming into this huddle. And then what do they do? They break apart. They get in their spots. The ball is hiked. And what do they do? They run the play. So it goes from the huddle to actually enforcing and running the play. And the first thing that the quarterback, when he says, hike, and they hike the ball, he is expecting the players not to just go, now what? No, they've already covered that in the huddle. What do they do? They go. So write down go. Just write down go. I want that big word go in your notes because I want you to know what God is, I believe, doing here at Adventure Church in churches all across the nation. 
today's service, week in and week out moments, these are huddle moments. Whether it's Pastor Kyle preaching or a voice in the house, these are the moments where we come in, and whether you know this or not, but there's debits taken out of your courage account every day. There's debits from the enemy that says you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not creative enough, you're not dynamic enough, you're not charismatic enough, you're not funny enough. It's you, you, your parents have always been broke, you're going to be broke, you're not good in business, you're terrible in finance. Oh yeah, of course she's going to get the raise, you're not going to ever get promoted. And there's this comparison trap that we find ourselves slipping into because the enemy takes debits out of our courage account every day. But the local church, man, when we gather in his name, Psalms 92, 13, blessed is the man or the woman who's planted in the house of the Lord. When you get your, your roots down deep, those deep roots produce healthy fruit. Blessed is the man who's planted in the house of the Lord and they will flourish in the courts of our God. These huddle moments, today's service is a huddle moment for us. And we're the team. This is the team. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Y'all are the team. So this is the huddle moment. And then what happens in these moments is plays are downloaded. Deposits are made from the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 talks about how the Holy Spirit, as Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father and ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, before he left, he left the Holy Spirit here as our helper who helps. These are the moments in the huddle where we gather the truth is the crowd is most excited about the actual plays ran. The amazing passes, running plays, and the touchdowns. The huddle is absolutely crucial. And I honestly believe that week in and week out when pastor, how many of you guys have heard a message and you leave here encouraged and you think, I can apply this to my life. Come on, wave at me. Amazing. Like, uh, you, I can apply this, whether it's to a marriage situation, a family dynamic, a, a financial deal. I can take the play and I can walk out and say, that was pretty good music. Vanessa did, man, she really sang good today. What a beautiful name. It was awesome. And you can take that as like a karaoke moment. You got free coffee. You high five some people. You marked a box on Sunday. I went to church. Put a little bit of money in the offering. Okay, God, I'm good. Or you can walk out from the huddle and actually run the play. So number one, if you're taking down notes, I want you to write this down. We are called, we are all called to go. This is the number one play, I believe, that we are supposed to do from the huddle. So we got our plans. The Holy Spirit downloads messages and sermons week in and week out, and we are all called to go. If you have your Bibles, Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15, we're going to throw it on the screen. It says, and then he told them, first word, check this out, the very first word. He said, stall. <laughs> what? Oh, does it say that? He says, pause what you're doing and just, just stand there. He didn't say that. If your Bible says that's the Book of Mormon and we're going to switch it out <laughs> for the real Bible. No, it says this, go, say go. It says go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The good news is the gospel. The good news, listen, when you go and you tell people about Jesus, our mission in the huddle is to get our play, leave these four walls and go. Run the assignment, the play, and the plan that God has for us as the church. And this is the coolest part. All you have to do is simply get in the way of people's storms. You don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the most creative. You don't have to have perfect oratory delivery, as Paul talked about. All you have to do is get in the way of people's storms and go. The reality is you're not in this on your own. It's all of us. There's no I in team. One kid's like, yeah, but there is in win. We're like, shut your mouth. It's, there's no I in team. 
There's no Lion team. We're all in this together. It doesn't ride on you like pastor declares this message and you're like amazing and you get the huddle and then the ball is hiked in the one guy. Yes, it may go to one guy, but all of them as a team are doing their jobs. They're blocking, they're supporting. Come on. They're doing what they're supposed to do from the plan and the play from the huddle. We're all called to go. Look at the person next to you and say, go. And they say, no, I need you to stay to service. It's not over, but stay. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, and I love this because this takes all the pressure off of it being only riding on us. This is what Paul says. He said, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I love the honesty of Paul. He's not like I'm the most creative, I had the perfect style, we had the greatest lights and the greatest sound system. No, he says, listen, in my message and my preaching was pretty plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech, uh, speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Another translation says it's not with my perfect oratory delivery. It's the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. When those plays are downloaded and we go, but here's the deal. God is not a forcer. He's a filler. So you have a choice to get in the way of people's storms. You have a choice to reflect hope to people and show people that there's another way. We have a saying that says, found people, find people. If you've been found, you should be looking for somebody else that's not found. And show them, James 5.16 said, it's the goodness and love of God that draws in. It pulls in a man's heart to a place of freedom and repentance. I love this story because it impacted me. I'm a product of the local church. I'm passionate about the local church because the reality is I never should have made it. Some of you know my story, and maybe you're here in the fall and you heard my story, I was born at Mount Carmel East, 1979, the year of our Lord, the very, very end. I almost made 1980, and uh, I wanted the 80s because the 80s music was so awesome. Come on, y'all. <laughs> okay, moving on. So, so I'm born an accident into a drug addict, alcoholic's home. My dad was angry. He was violent, cheated on my mom all the time. And they, there was this little church in Commercial Point when you were entering uh, going through Commercial Point, going into Almost Grove City, this little church, and, and then they would gather week in and week out, and they would have these huddle moments. And the pastor would declare the plan, and he would declare a message of grace and mercy and, and hope. And, and then, man, the church would go out, and they were super uh, wired to, to, to go and, and do evangelism in their, in their neighborhoods, their, their jobs, and just everyday life, whether they were at a restaurant or a store. And my mom ended up, uh, carrying me full term, and it was a rough pregnancy. A drunk driver hit her and almost killed us both at one point. She fell down a flight of stairs six months in, broke her low back, almost miscarried me then. And the enemy was gunning for me when I didn't have a voice. And now in my skinny jeans and possibly a woman's jacket, I'm doing some damage <laughs> to the kingdom of darkness now because I can say something. And, but the enemy was gunning for me when I didn't have a voice. And my mom was standing in a Kroger in Grove City. I don't know if off Stringtown Road, there's a Kroger there. And it's still the, I don't think they've remodeled it since then. Like, it still looks the same. And uh, my mom was standing in the cereal aisle, and, and she was trying to find, we were broke as a joke. So she was trying to find Captain Crunch, but it was called, like, uh, Colonel Munchies, because, like, it was the <laughs> off-brand one. And a lady walked up because she realized that her job was to go and to declare the good news to everybody. And she's walking by, 70 years old. Hey, and that's a great little side note. If there's breath still in your lungs and you woke up again today, God's not done with you yet. 
don't care if you're the youngest or the oldest in the building, man. You still have a plan and a purpose to your life. This lady walks by, could have minded her own business and said, wow, she's got her hands full, those three kids. But she went back, not with perfect oratory delivery, not with a track that said, here, and handed my mom a $20 bill. And she's like, thank you, we needed it for groceries. And then she opened it up and it says, don't you wish this was real? Your treasures are in heaven. Jesus loves you. Like, what is this? She wasn't wearing a hat that said, need prayer, ask me how, or a shirt that said spirit instead of Sprite. Like, it was the residue from the huddle, from the plays that were downloaded. And then she went out and ran those plays in her everyday life. And she began to tell my mom about Jesus. My mom told her straight up, because the lady asked my mom, you should come to church with me. And my mom said, people like us don't go to church. And the lady said, people like you? She said, we're messed up. Like, like addictions and strongholds and Lots of bad stuff. If my mom could have referred to the Jerry Springer episode, it didn't exist then, but if it was modern day, she would have been like, we are a modern day Jerry Springer episode. People would have been like, oh, okay. And the lady said, well, the thing is about our church, like there's no perfect people allowed, so that's pretty amazing. So like none of us are perfect. And my mom's like, what? She's like, yeah, and we had never been to church. Like it wasn't like a normal routine. You know, my mom went to church that one time, three weeks after that seed was planted. Because that lady chose to go. I think about the weight of this. This lady stopped, saw my mom, went down the cereal aisle, told my mom about Jesus. My mom says, I don't want anything to do with that. Get away from her kids. Stranger danger. She's one of those weird Bible thumper ladies. But my mom, on a three weeks later on a Sunday, got up and said, come on, kids, we're going to church. And my brother said, what's church? We all got dressed and we went to church. And my mom didn't find religion. She found relationship. Because in that huddle, that lady got the play, and she went out and ran the play, ran the assignment. I'm in full-time ministry today. My brother, my sister, my dad's the only one that got rescued. A few months later, man, he went to church for the first time. That's why I tell leadership teams all the time there's no throwaway services. Because people matter to God, so they matter to us. You came today, fought the Armageddon of snow. (laughs) That was sarcastic. (laughs) But you came today on purpose, for a purpose. Maybe somebody invited you and said, hey, I'll take you to lunch today. I'll buy you a steak. And you didn't know it was a steak taco from Taco Bell. But, <laughs> but you came and you, listen, you found yourself in the huddle. And today we're going to go, I believe, leave this place better than when we came in. Number two, the second play we're supposed to live out is we are all called to love. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, And so I'm giving a new commandment to you now. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Mark 12, verse 30 says, and 31, it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, this, I think there's been a misconception a little bit with this second verse. So he goes through all this. You've got to love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Here's the reality. We have to first receive that love. So if you're dealing with identity issues or struggles internally, and maybe you're struggling with, man, I just... I'm struggling to love myself. God is trying to get something to us, fill us up, because what fills, spills. And the reality is you can't love somebody out of a place of emptiness. And Jesus is saying, first receive 
my love. So when you love the Lord with all your strength and your might and your soul and your heart and all of these combined, once you receive that love, then the overflow is you'll want to love others. The overflow is you'll have passion for the things of God. The overflow is you'll actually have compassion for the things of God. They say a 10-year decline, I talked about this in the fall, a 10-year decline in Americanized Christianity, that includes us. They say the average full-time church attender shows up 1.5 times a month. That's full-time. Like, where do you go to church? Uh, go to a church called Adventure Church. Who's the pastors? Pastor Kevin, uh, Kel? Kenan? Kyle? I think it's what the path. 1.5 times a month. And then people wonder why they're, they're worn down and, and, and burdened, and they just kind of feel like they're aimlessly running around the field. you got to stay in the huddle. you got to stay in the safety of the, the pack. God has called us, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. He's called us to sharpen each other and be in the huddle together. Come on, I need somebody to say, that's good. Is that beard real? Anything, just yell something back out. Here's the other reality. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says this. Jesus said, and whatever you do and say, you do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything we do and everything we say, when we get these moments, I'm telling you, when I begin to really come on fire for the things of God, I couldn't help but want to grow. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, everything, I had, I, was a cons- I had to just keep consuming the word because I felt like it was strength to my bones, man, strength to my, and some of you are like, well, th- this is just because you're an A-type personality. No, I never should have made it. You can't judge my passion until you know my past. I'm passionate like this because I know that I never should have made it. If you look at my history and the lineage of my family, man, I shouldn't have been standing here right now declaring the good news of God. So I can't help it. I tell everybody. And I'm not a weirdo. I don't only listen to, God's not dead, he's surely alive and roaring like, you hear my music? I'm a Christian. Now, I don't know what that was. I'm going to strike that from the next service. This is just for you. It's just for you. (laughs) But I believe the residue the residue of Jesus when you hang out in his presence, man, it's contagious. Your praise is contagious. When you lift your hands, yeah, some people may look around and say, why is she lifting her hands during worship? And others are inspired. Your praise and your worship is contagious. Your life at work, who you are in your neighborhood, how you handle your kids, the way you drive in traffic. <laughs> Come on, your life is contagious because we are all called to go. We are all called to love. First John 4, verse 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in his love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Number three, last play, bringing this in for landing. We are all called to be the church. The Bible refers to the church as the body of Christ. We all make up the church. All of us, our gifts, our strengths make up the thriving community of Adventure Church and meeting in the huddle each week getting on mission and carrying out God's plan. In Romans chapter 12, it says this in verse four, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Now, some of y'all are like the awkward pinky toe, but we still make up the body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about in Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of the body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we couldn't amount to much, would we? And it says, so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed, marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we're made to be. 
without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. You know, not all of us are called to be on the worship team. Just because you're willing doesn't mean you should be up here. (laughs) But you could be the best, come on, you could be the best greeter, parking lot person, the best cup of coffee. My friend Phil Capleone, he's like a coffee snob. Like, if you drink it, like, the margins are off. Like, that's not reverse osmosis filtered water from a fresh spring. Like, he knows these things. Whatever your call is, whatever your gifting is, it can be used in the house of God. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Are you called to this house? Is this where God has called you to hook up? Because we are called to not only be in the huddle and run the plays, but we're called to look like Jesus, to represent Jesus, to represent the church. You can put a title on it. Yes, I'm called to a venture church, but we're all called to the Great Commission. None of us are exempt from the Great Commission. None of us have a day off from getting in the way of people's storms. I believe with all my heart that if we can recognize the importance of these huddle moments and not just dismiss them as another Sunday. Because I think that's where we've gotten to sometimes in Americanized Christianity. We just kind of dismiss it as like, well, that's another Sunday. Well, I know we're going to be late, but worst case, we miss worship. What? That's a time where you show up, man. The presence of God fills the room. I love this song by Elevation, and it says, uh, it's called As in Heaven, and the the verse says, The atmosphere is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere shifts. Heaven leans in our direction. When we gather in his name, it's scriptural. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, if just two or three of us show up. That's what we did. How many of y'all came for Jesus today? Come on. When we show up and gather in his name, it says that he's in the midst of us. Jesus, the person of Jesus is walking in this room today. There's healing in the room today. There's freedom in the room today. You might have come in with a broken marriage. You can walk out with hope today. You might have walked in strung out and struggling with addictive issues and hidden sins. And you can leave set free healed and delivered. We've had people literally email us and say, I stopped smoking after that service. Never had a craving again when I leaned into God's presence. I stopped dealing with prescription drug issues. I stopped drinking so much. I I turned away from it completely. I stopped looking at pornography. I started being kinder to people. I stopped driving erratic and having rage issues because I found myself leaning into his presence. That's what these moments are. We get together. We huddle, and there's healing right here. There's freedom right here. We all get on the same page, and we go back out, set free, healed and delivered, and then we go out because rescued people rescue people. We go out and show people the hope of Jesus. I'm going to have the team come back up as we bring this in for a landing. And, you know, the reality is I've already had, you know, we're just entering into calendar month number two of 2018, and I preached a New Year's Eve message in Houston about the residue and how don't drag the residue, good or bad, into your new season of of favor and your new season of blessing and breakthrough. And in November, my wife and I went through a pretty traumatic storm ourselves. And we had just taken a picture that morning. We were going in for our second ultrasound to announce that we were pregnant with baby number four. We have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a soon-to-be two-year-old. And we went and we were driving there and my wife went in and she was checking in and I heard the Lord and I'm not hyper-spiritualizing this. I, I met people all the time that say, yeah, y'all can start playing anytime. 
Uh, I, I meet people all the time that say, uh, God should about everything. Like they, the, this guy used to travel with me and he would wear the ugliest ties you've ever seen. And I'd say, man, that's an interesting tie. And he'd be like, God told me to wear it. And I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, it's a familiar spirit. God has taste. Like he created the oceans and stuff. He did not tell you to wear that tie. I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> I'll put all my Bible school teaching on that theology. I'm really careful about saying God said, but I know when the Holy Spirit is nudging my heart, whether it's a still small voice or a reverb, reverberation internally, I felt the Lord say, I've given you strength for this moment. And I started praying, you know, James chapter four, verse seven, I'm a Bible guy, I'm a scripture guy. So I started praying, no, 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 strength for this moment. Lord, I thank you right now that the baby's healthy, the heart beats strong. And James four, seven says, we have the authority to resist the devil and he shall flee. And I mean, I'm declaring, but I kept feeling the Lord almost pushing out all of that and saying, I've given you strength for this moment. And 10 minutes later, the ultrasound tech looked at my wife and looked at me and she said, I don't normally, I'm not normally the one who tells you this, but I have history with you guys because of your last baby. And I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. You've lost the baby. And I felt the room getting smaller. I can't describe it. I felt the room getting smaller and I felt all my words preached the last 13 years on the road, when you're going to go through something, you have two options. You can trust God or freak out when you're squeezed in life. What comes out of you is what's hidden inside of you. And I, I said, what? That can't be. And we had to process it in our human mindedness. We had to process it in our, in our minds and our hearts. And we left and we're questioning, what did we do wrong? Like, was the seatbelt too tight? Did we do something? Did you fall? Like, and then we had to walk out the most traumatic season that we had walked through losing the baby and and then two weeks later and I haven't been able to share this with a lot of people but I feel like we're amongst family two weeks later they had put her on this medicine because some things were happening and they needed to uh, they needed some things to happen a little faster and they put her on this medicine there was two rare side effects one of them was bleed to death and the other one was just death the doctor said that never happens don't worry about it like ever you know they just have to put that on there and two weeks later we're sitting at a junior high Peter Pan play was supposed to be an hour and a half and it felt like six and a half hours they were like we're gonna do another intermission and I was like why there's no reason for that and I looked over at Jackie and I said are you okay and it went from are you okay she had no color left in her face and her lips were completely pale to me driving 105 on the highway to try to get to Dublin Methodist not knowing that that was a surgery that was going to save her life got her in and they had to prep the OR room and they said this is a real deal surgery she's hemorrhaging, she's bleeding out we're so sorry but we're going to do our best and I'm like what do you mean, what's happening it went from 0 to 110 very very quickly and I stood and I remember I remember thinking in that moment like I was you have two thoughts, like you could shake your fist at heaven and say God why me, like this is ridiculous like really I found myself in this little ER bathroom standing by myself and I had my hands lifted. I said, I'm not mad at you. Because I believe that you've, you've been so good to us up until this point. One of the definitions of the word testimony is do it again. And I believe that, that all of the, our journey from the lady who, who went, she, she said, I'll go and I'll share the gospel. And she told my mom about Jesus to the love that we've received and the love that we share to us walking out the call in our lives to be the church. God, I know that you're not done yet, that you're chasing after us. 
and that there will be a providence intervention, supernatural moment in that operating room. And so I walked back in and I said, babe, you're going to be okay. And I began to pray with her and she was super in and out. They had given her multiple bags of fluid and to try to get her blood pressure up. They had ordered three blood transfusions because she had lost so much blood. And this guy's in there and he's like, listen, I think all of this is going to be okay. I've given, I've sent out good vibes. And I mean, it just, I don't know why it just messed with me. I said, we don't need your good vibes. And he goes, well, I already sent him out. I said, we don't need good vibes. You can take your vibes out in the hallway. We're going to pray. And he said, well, I've already sent the vibes out. I'm like, you can retract your vibes. I don't need your vibes. We're, we pray in this room. You can stay in the room and pray with us. And he's like, I'll just stand out in the hallway and send out vibes. I mean, you can take your vibes outside and fly a kite. We're praying. So I begin to pray. We begin to declare. We begin to call heaven and touch earth. Walk out who we were. I call some pastor friends and we begin to rally. Y'all, we're in this together together. We all walk through things. We all go through things. Man, the power of the local church, when they unify, when we gather, we really function as the local church. We had so many people all over the country lifting our arms. And she got through it, came on the other side of it. The surgeon told me something remarkable happened in the, in the operating room. She said, I can't explain it. Your wife's body, a healthy blood count should be between 11 and 18. I expected hers to be between a four and a five. We ordered three blood transfusions. I thought she would need two. Something remarkable happened. Your wife's body in 30 minutes. Now, anybody who's medical knows that this is not possible medically. She said, your wife's body in 30 minutes produced more blood than she should have in hours, days, and weeks, and even months. She was making up for it at a rapid pace. Remarkably, I can't describe it, but her, her blood never dropped below 11. We never had to give her a blood transfusion. Come on, somebody. Somebody should shout. Well, why are you telling us that? It's made me more passionate to go. It's made me more passionate to love. It's made me more passionate to be the church. It's made me more passionate to declare and shout from the rooftops that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And just like he fought for Jackie, man, in that operating room at Exodus chapter 14, 14, it says the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. He's chasing after you. I don't care how duct taped, super glued, and put back together you are. He's madly in love with you. And in a moment, we're gonna, I want to sing this bridge, and I know we're out of time, but would you stand to your feet? And we're bringing this in for a rapid ending, I promise. But I feel like this is going to be a freeing moment for somebody. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Daniel, the reality is I haven't felt compelled to go. I haven't been able to receive love myself and love others, and I haven't been able to really be the church because I have been feeling... I've been feeling shame. I've been feeling guilt. I've been feeling broken. I've been feeling like the storm I've been walking through. I've been mad at God or I've been mad at others or I've been mad at the church. And I love the bridge of this song. It says, there's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down coming after me. And I want you to know that heaven is leaning in your direction today. And that he wants to touch, heal, restore and pull you up out of whatever you have been walking through so that we can, number one, get in the huddle, learn the assignment, the play, go run those plays, go love people with everything that's in us, be compassionate, go be the church that God has called us to be. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender? Father, I thank you, Lord, as we sing through this song, just one, two times through, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister and that you would rest upon every heart in this room, every marriage, every single person, every mom, every dad, every future mom and dad, every son and daughter. God, we are here today. And I thank you, Lord God, that we have received this assignment. 
this plan, this play inside of the huddle. And we go out and we go. We go out and we love. And we go out and we be the church. God, I pray today that every person in this room would recognize that you have chased after them and pursued them. We love you, Lord. We bless you, God.